We are in the second half of our first Peter message series, and it's called Got Hope. This New Testament letter was written by the Apostle Peter. Some of you know that because you've heard me say it before, but those that might be listening for the first time, I just want to give you the setting. Peter, the Apostle, the one who denied Christ, the one who Christ forgave and said, are you ready to serve me? Are you ready to feed my sheep? That's the Peter who wrote this letter. He wrote two of them. He wrote them to the early church. They were dispersed throughout the Middle East, throughout Asia, throughout parts of Europe, and they were suffering. Peter wrote this just years before Nero, just a few years. The Roman emperor that's known for what? What did Nero do? Say it loud so the people online can hear. He burned the city. He wanted a new building plan, so he decided to just burn all the old stuff. And then he blamed it on the Christians when it was not popular. He said, it's those Christians. It's this weird religious group. They're the ones that are doing it. So persecution heated up because of that. And Peter's going to use the term fiery trial, not even knowing that this was about to happen. This burning of Rome, this persecution of the church. And today, while we are not facing persecution physically in the United States, there are churches in our country in a lot of different states that are not allowed to meet. There are uh, Jewish temples and synagogues that are being told you can't meet together. There are churches throughout the world where it is physically dangerous. You're going to be dragged out into the street. You're going to be beaten, thrown in prison, or beheaded for taking the name of Jesus Christ. So this letter of hope is for the believers of the first century church, but it's for believers through the centuries. It's for believers today. We're facing all kinds of difficulties. And so Peter continues to come back to these themes of God's mercy, God's grace, and His glory. Are we bringing glory to Him? It shows up message after message. There is real hope for believers in God's Word. And if you are joining us for the first time and you missed some of the messages, you can find them on Facebook, YouTube, you can find them on our website, and you can go back and catch up on some of them. Tonight, we have a growth group, and throughout the week we have other growth groups. That's a great time to get together with other believers, talk about the message, pray with each other, fellowship a little bit. So I'd encourage you to come to one of the growth groups, and we have a brand new one starting up in November. We're going to start a fourth growth group, so... If you haven't found a good night or a good time to come, plan on being part of one of them. Last week as we looked into God's Word, it was all about loving one another, showing hospitality to one another, serving one another, and in everything, again, bringing glory to God. These instructions were specifically for how we should treat one another in the church family. This morning, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. And Peter addresses us individually, saying, Don't be surprised by suffering. You will face trials. So trust God and glorify Him in your trials. Don't be surprised. Before I read the passage this morning, before you find it, let's have a word of prayer and ask God, to prepare our hearts. Heavenly Father, I just thank You so much that we can come into Your presence 
this morning. We're in Your presence every day for those of us that are believers. Your Holy Spirit is with us. But today we gather as a church family. We gather as friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. And maybe even some that are seeking to know You that are with us this morning. Lord, we sang praises to Your name. We sang of Your majesty. We sang of You, our fount of blessings. Lord, this morning as we look to Your Word, that's how You speak to us. We spoke to You in song this morning, but now we want to listen to what You have to say from Your Word. I just pray that Your Word would be clear, that You'd help me as I stay focused on the message. And I pray that You'd prepare all of our hearts, that we would be doers and not hearers only. We ask Your blessing on our time together this morning. In Christ's name, Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12-19 to 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the Gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. <clears throat> Hopefully, as you listened to the words, as you saw the things highlighted, you'll see where my message came from. Peter shares with us five commands and one reminder. Don't be surprised. Rejoice. Glorify God. The time for judgment is coming. So trust God and do good. You can see there that there are Five commands, they're all verbs, and then one of them is, and don't forget, time for judgment is coming. It's, it's on its way. So first of all, in verse 12, we see, don't be surprised. Peter starts off with a term of endearment. Beloved. Beloved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I love you. God's commands, God's direction for our lives always come out of a place of love because God knows what's best for us. God cares about us. And even the commands, even the direction that He gives us that we think may be hard to deal with, God is doing it out of love. So Peter starts off this passage reminding us of God's love for us. And here's Peter saying, I love you too. I want you to know these things. Don't be surprised by suffering. I love you. I care about you. I'm praying for you. God does too. Don't be surprised. The word 
fiery trials. Is talking about a test for authenticity. Don't be surprised, beloved, when you face fiery trials, when they come. The word fiery trial in Greek is talking about the testing of gold to see if it's authentic. So people were trading in gold and silver. Sometimes it was a stamped coin of the government, like the Roman Empire would have Caesar's picture on there. But sometimes it was just gold or silver. And so as people would trade and barter, they wanted to make sure they were really getting gold. They weren't getting a painted rock. So they would test it. They would put it under fire and see if it really was gold. What's going to happen if it's gold? It's going to soften and melt. And any impurities are also going to be burned out of it. This is how you get gold to be more pure. They scoop the dross off the top and they get rid of it. They do the same thing with silver or any precious metal. So Peter says you're going to face fiery trials. You're going to feel some heat in your life. Some of these difficulties are not going to be easy. They're going to be hard. It's going to feel like the heat just got turned up even higher on you. What's the purpose of them? God brings trials to test our faith, to see if we are authentic, if we are really believers, if we're really followers of Jesus Christ. And as that's happening, not only do we say, yes, I trust you, God. Yes, I believe in you even more. I need your help through this. We cling to him. Our faith, our perseverance grows. But as that's happening, the imperfections, the sins in our lives start burning off. They're obvious to us. Oh, these are things that don't belong in my life. Here's my faith. That's pure and holy and that's good. But here are things that are dragging me down. The New Testament talks about them being like weights, like a runner running with ankle weights. You take them off before the big race. You might leave them on during training, but when you're ready, you get rid of all those weights. Here it's the idea of imperfections in gold. They're going to burn off. We need to get rid of them. But it takes heat. It takes fire for us to see these things really don't belong in my life. This habit, this waste of time, this passion that I'm chasing after is not godly. It's something ungodly and I need to get rid of it. These fires are not comfortable, but they're always for our good. Peter says, don't think it's strange to face trials. And yet, isn't that exactly what we do? We think it's strange. We think it's weird. Why now, of all times, I'm going to church, I'm bringing my kids, we're plugged in, we're even going to a growth group, and sometimes we show up on a Wednesday night. Everything is, I'm doing everything you want, God. Why, why, why? Why would you allow this difficulty in my life? Or maybe... Why, God, are you allowing this to happen to my children? I pray for them every day, and yet there's illness, there's a job loss, there's struggles in their marriage, whatever is going on. We think, why, God, are you doing these things? They don't deserve this. Peter says, expect trials. Expect tests of your faith. Don't be surprised when you suffer. It's important, because Peter's going to mention this in just a few verses, that we make the distinction between trials and temptations. And we heard this uh, just a week ago in our 
conference that we had, the mini-conference downstairs, there was a distinct definition between a trial and temptation. Do you know what that is? A trial is something God allows in our life or brings to our life for our good. It's to make us grow. It's to make us persevere. But a temptation is mostly on us. It's our own sinful desires. Sometimes it's the evil one bringing a temptation in front of us when we are serving, when we are going toward closer and closer to God, then temptation's going to come along. God says, I don't give you temptations. I don't tempt anyone to evil. So if our suffering, if our difficulties are coming out of temptation, and they often do, it, temptations are hard. They cause problems in our lives. And sometimes when we give in to them, the sin causes even more problems. That happens. But we need to stop and say, is this coming from something I've done? Is it me chasing after something that I don't need, that God doesn't want me to have? Or is this purely a test of my faith? Is this a difficulty in my life that I can choose to glorify God in this instead of choosing to disobey Him, to not trust Him, and then we, may, we might fail? We might go into grumbling. We may decide, I'm not going to trust God for what's good. I'm going to take things into my own hands. I'm going to go after what I know will make me feel better. And then we fall into temptation. James tells us that God never tempts us. Trials, even fiery ones, test our faith. And we shouldn't be surprised when they come. Because not only do they allow us to glorify God, but God is using them to strengthen and build us. Don't be surprised by suffering. I need to keep moving because we have a lot of things to cover this morning. Rejoice in verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. You're suffering for being righteous or being godly just as Jesus suffered while here on earth. What's the book right before 1 Peter? If you have your Bible open, you can turn back. Or maybe you know it. James. It is James. James 1, 2-4. James, the brother of Jesus, said, When, not if, but when you face various trials, count it joy. Rejoice. Because trials test your faith. And that produces steadfastness or unwavering commitment. And when you're steadfast, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This perfection, this completion, is talking about the final goal of our, of our faith, being spiritually mature, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So we don't say, usually, yay, my tire is flat. That's not the way we usually rejoice. We don't say, yay, my hours at work were cut so I don't have enough money to pay my bills. We don't say yay and rejoice at those kind of difficulties, but we can say, yay, let's see what God is going to do. I don't have the money to pay this bill. God, how are you going to help me? Do I get to see a miracle? Do I get to see something amazing happen? Do I get to share that with the people around me? God, how are you going to work in this? I have no idea what's going to happen next. 
Thank you, God. I can see that you are in control. I don't need to hold on to all of this myself, try to do this all in my own strength. God, I want to see you at work. So that's when I can rejoice. I'm not happy about the trial itself. I'm not happy about standing in the rain or the snow fixing a flat tire. But I'm thankful that God did it at a time when I was safely off the road or that an angel in disguise came along and helped me or whatever else happens in it. We can rejoice in our trials when we see God at work, when we trust Him. Because we know it's for our own good because He loves us. Hebrews 12, 6-7 says, The Lord disciplines the one He loves. He chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? This word discipline immediately makes me think of the military. You go to boot camp, whether it's the military or police training or wherever, and you are facing trial after trial after trial. Your physical strength is tested. Your endurance is tested. Your ability to work as a team is tested over and over and over again until you realize we can do this. We can make it through these things. God brings trials. He gives us opportunities for discipline in our lives so that we say, yes, God, you can do this in me. I can't do this, but you can. And I can trust you again and again. What about when the trials come in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, our closest friends? We shouldn't say, God, how could you do this? Instead, we should pray for them to endure for the strength they need to pass their own tests of faith. We can pray with them. We can encourage them by sharing the stories of our own life and saying, here's a time where God walked through something similar with me. We can't always say, I know exactly how you feel, right? Often we say that, but unless we face that exact thing, we don't always know that. We can show sympathy and say, I'm really sorry that you're struggling with this. Let me pray with you. Let me see how I can be an encouragement to you. Let me remind you to not be surprised by trials. doesn't mean that you're necessarily doing something wrong. God is at work in your life. Isn't that an encouragement to you as a mother or father or grandparent? God is working in the life of my kids. If we step in and we go in front of them and try to remove all the difficulties, if we try to solve all their problems for them, we're robbing them of opportunities to really make their faith their own. We're robbing them of opportunities to grow in maturity, to turn to God instead of turning to us first. We love that feeling, right? As a parent, when your kids recognize that you have, once they're past a certain age, they realize you do know something, and they say, would you help me with this? What should I do in this case? That's a good feeling as a dad. I know that. But I want to say, have you prayed about this? Can we pray about this together? I'm not the answer man. I may be able to help you with some things, but we need to remind our kids, our grandkids, turn to God. Be in prayer to Him. I'm glad you shared this with me because I want to pray with you in this, but I can't jump in and solve 
all of my kids' problems? First of all, I can't. But secondly, should I? Do they need to understand the consequences of their actions? Do they need to understand that they have to grow on their own? How many of our young people grow up in the church and then go off into young adult life, go to college and decide faith really isn't their thing? How did that happen? Did we have conversations with them? Did their faith become their own? Or was it just them piggybacking on your faith as you went to church? We want to make sure that we're talking to our kids and having those conversations all through their lives into their adult years as well. Rejoice because trials bring maturity, that brings Christ-likeness, and that glorifies God. And that's the next one. Verses 13 and 14 say, Rejoice when God's glory is revealed, when the Spirit of glory rests on you. And then verse 16 says, Don't be ashamed of your suffering when it's for Jesus, because that will glorify God in His name. When we endure trials, when we endure suffering, we show God's power at work in our lives. We show others how God can save us from our sins. How He changes hearts, changes our thinking. Peter says, don't be embarrassed that this is happening to you. Don't look at other people and say, oh, I'm, I'm going through this problem and I don't know why and you just feel like it's all your fault. Peter's saying, when you're suffering, when you're facing a trial because of God, don't be embarrassed by that. Let people know about it. Let people pray for you about it. And then let them see God at work in your life. That's bringing God glory. That's saying God brought me through this problem. His power is what sustained me. His strength is what gave me the ability to get up tomorrow morning and do what I'm supposed to be doing the next day and the next day. It's Him at work in me. I'm pointing people to God. His character, His strength, His patience, His endurance, and His love. That should affect how we talk about our trials. If we're complaining about them all the time, then we're complaining about God and saying He's not good. He doesn't care about me. If that's all they hear from us is, woe is me, here I'm going through something else again, they're going to think, well, I guess God is not really a loving God. Look at all they do, and this is how God repays them. That comes out of our mouths, the way we talk about the difficulties we face. When people around you question God's goodness, when they can't understand why you would face difficulties, you have an opportunity to tell them all the good things that God has already done. We're coming up to November. Count your blessings season, right? We should be doing that all the time. God, this is hard right now, but let me rejoice and thank you for helping me this time and this time and this time and this time. I know that you're faithful to help me this time and in the future. He's sustaining me. He's giving me peace in this trial. Other people can see that. They can hear it in your words. And it can bring God glory. Parents, the struggles in our lives are times when you can share with your kids all the things that God has done. 
the things that he's been faithful in in your past. Grandparents, sharing your story, letting your grandkids know how God provided for them. We need those stories, those true accounts of God working in people's lives. We need to know that this is real. And our kids need to see that and hear about it. So often, as parents, we try to hide our problems. We try to not talk about them when the kids are around. And there are some things that truly may be hard for them to hear. But if you are struggling with something, pray about it with your kids. Let them see God at work. Let them know that He's the one that's going to bring your family through this. We have some of our young people with us this morning. They're worried about COVID. They are truly worried about what's going to happen. They're worried about the election, how that's going to turn out and what's going to happen next. They're worried about the racial problems in our country. They're hearing and seeing that everywhere. They're not watching the news with you probably at 6 o'clock at night, but they're seeing it on social media getting twisted and distorted. They're seeing it and hearing it as they talk to friends from school. It's all around us. So our kids are affected by that. They need to know that they can come to you with questions and say, why would God allow this to happen? Why are these things happening to our country? And they need to understand a biblical perspective. In our Welcome Center, if you've never seen this wall, it's to the right side before you get to the stairs going down. And you may have walked by that and thought, oh, that's a nice little collection of booklets. Each one of them are about different topics, different trials, different temptations, different struggles that people face at all different ages, all different times in our lives. These booklets tell you how to think about how to face these problems with a biblical perspective. How should we respond? They are free for your taking. So if you have an area that you're struggling with, someone you love and care about is struggling, pick one up, take it home for them. And then if they need to talk more, we have several biblical counselors here at church who are ready and willing to talk to people and help anyone with struggles in life. We need to go back to God's Word. If you're looking for a good news source, I'm just going to get... This is not a paid advertisement, but you've heard me mention the world and everything in it. You've heard me mention um, probably Al Mohler at some point. Both of these organizations have podcasts where you can listen or you can read the transcript. And every day they are pouring through the world's news and saying, how do we think about this from a biblical perspective? How do we interpret what's happening? And what do we do as believers? How can we help these situations? We glorify God when we pass the testing of our faith by responding in a way that is true to God's Word, obeying Him in everything, and bringing Him glory. Well, Peter says in verse 17, it's time for judgment. It's going to begin in the household of God. This is the third time Third message in a row where Peter reminds us that judgment is coming. Some of that has been saying, don't forget, judgment is coming for the world. They will be judged for their sins. We don't know when Christ is going to return for His church, for us, 
That's the rapture. That's the next step in end times. And the Bible talks about these days as end times. From the time that Jesus arrived, the Messiah came and lived, died, and rose again. That ushered in the end of times. Remember, God's timeline is a little bigger than ours. It's all of eternity. So God is seeing this place in time and saying, the end of this world is coming. It's going to start with the church being raptured and then times of increased tribulation, trials, difficulties, the Antichrist, all kinds of things in the book of Revelation. How are we living? How are we living today? Are we suffering because of our sins, just like murderers, thieves, evildoers? Is that why we're suffering today, church? God will judge your sins. You don't pay for them in eternity in hell because Christ paid. His blood paid for your sins. So believers face consequences for our sins. We don't want to suffer like murderers, thieves, evildoers, and meddlers. Doesn't that sound like a really bad list until you get to meddlers? Thieves, murderers, evildoers, and those who busybody in other people's business. Wow, that must have been an issue for the early church. It doesn't happen anymore here, so that's really good that nobody ever gossips or talks about anybody else or gets involved in, you know, you really should be doing this and why are your kids doing that? I'm so thankful with my tongue placed firmly in my cheek that we don't suffer from that. There are consequences to busybodies, right? So Peter says, don't suffer like that. Church, take a look at your life. Let these trials purify your heart. You don't want to suffer because of your own sins. I love the description of Jesus breaking our chains, the chains that bind us to sin, the chains that bind us in darkness. And it's like we're sitting in a dark prison cell with the door unlocked, swung open wide, the chains just loosely on our wrists and feet. And all we have to do is stand up and walk away from them. And yet, our old nature our desires leave us in that dark, stinky, damp place away from God's grace, away from God's love and His mercy. We act as though we still have to sin, but we don't because Jesus opened the door and He unbound our chains. Walk out the door. And that's something we keep doing. That's part of Christ saving us from our sins. He saved us permanently, eternally from our sins, but then every day we decide, I'm going to say no to those sins. I'm going to walk out that door and I'm going to live to glorify God today. Not in my own strength, but in the Holy Spirit in me. Are we ashamed of Jesus Christ? Are we ashamed of the Gospel? Or are we honoring God as we share the Gospel, as we bring Him glory? Unbelievers are going to be judged for their sins. They're going to be condemned to eternity in hell, separated from a loving God, separated from everything good and holy. That's the judgment that's coming for unbelievers. If we're living such poor examples 
to the unsaved people around us, why would they come to Jesus Christ as Savior? Is your life attractive? Is it one that people would say, I want what she has. I want to live the way he does. Look at the way he faces problems. Look at the way he just keeps going. Because they've heard you say, this is God doing this, it's not me. Remember in chapter 3, Peter said, always be prepared to defend the gospel to anyone who asks us for the hope in you. How can you still be hopeful in these times? How can you still have a positive attitude and an outlook? Why do you think things are going to get better? Do you? Or are you doom and gloom? Are things going to get better here on earth? No. Scripture tells us it's just going to get worse. But our future is so much better. The home waiting for us is so much better. And going through all the difficulties here on earth is so much better when we have hope in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, when we know he's going to walk through this with us. The world is looking for hope. They desperately need it. And we have it. Are we living like we have it? Is hope something that comes out of your mouth or is it only negative? He ends by saying, trust God and do good. When we suffer according to God's will, meaning that we are fully obeying Him, we can trust Him, not only for our current problems, but we can trust Him to save our souls in the end. We recognize that the trials in this world are really just temporary. They're just physical. But our souls are eternal. They're spiritual. That's why we have hope. Dawn read Psalm 31.5. Was there a verse in there that stuck out to you? Did you hear that and say, that's what Jesus said. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. The psalmist wrote that hundreds of years, maybe even a thousand years before Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm ready, God. My spirit, my soul, I trust in You. I'm committing them to You because I know that You are faithful. I know that even if this body dies, my soul will live eternally with You. We need to have that same perspective. Mark uh, shared with us actually the song about having the mind of Christ. This is again... Uh, the Holy Spirit tying things together for us even better than I could even think. The Apostle Paul said, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the mind of Christ be in you, be with you. Trust God. And then do good. It's just a short phrase. While doing good. It's like he just threw it in there. But it's so important that we live our lives doing good while we're suffering. We can't be so wrapped up and focused on the things that are going on in our lives that we forget to do good. Oh, I would love to volunteer at church. I'd love to bake something and bring it to my neighbor, but I've just got so many problems. I've got so much going on in my life. I just can't possibly do those things. 
Peter's writing to the early church who were being beaten and persecuted and said, don't forget to keep doing good. Yes, I know life is hard, but that's not the focus of your life. Your focus of your life is glorifying God, trusting Him, and while you're doing all that, keep doing good. Live righteously. Live according to God's will. Obey His Word. Our response to our trials and our suffering should never be to give in to those temptations to sin. That we start attacking those around us because things are so bad on, for us that we just lash out in anger or frustration. We may lose hope in despair and depression. We may abuse drugs or alcohol, just trying to numb our pain, trying to forget all the problems around us. But instead, God says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The beautiful picture of laying your burdens down at the foot of the cross. Mark and I were just talking about the Pilgrim's Progress, and he's carrying that huge pack, all of his sins, all of his burdens, and he's just struggling through life with this huge pile of things on his back and it's his sin and he finally realizes I don't need to carry this Christ took care of this for me I'm gonna let it go trust God for wisdom we can ask him for wisdom when we don't know what to do next when we're facing those trials James says that next in that first chapter all of you that lack wisdom, ask God and He'll give it to you abundantly. Continue to honor God. Continue to obey His Word and bring glory to Him. In last week's sermon, Peter was speaking to believers just like he is today. Believers, when you face trials, this is what you should do. Beloved, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church is who Peter was talking to. Are you part of that family? God offers the gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, lived as a man, while still fully God. And He offered up His own life for you and for me. He offered to pay the penalty for our sins, to have it wiped off of our record, clean slate before God, to have peace with God, to have eternal life, to have a hope in heaven. It's a gift that you can't earn, you can't pay for, you just have to freely receive because of the grace of God. Those who trust that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe that He died and rose for their sins will be saved. And then we have an opportunity to live our lives recognizing that He is Lord and Savior. The only real hope in this world is found in knowing Jesus Christ. We don't know what's going to happen politically. We don't know what's going to happen medically. We don't know what's going to happen anywhere in this world, today or tomorrow. But we can have a sure hope in our future with Jesus Christ. We can have a, fewer, a sure hope that He's going through life with you right now. That He's bringing you comfort and peace and encouraging you. If you've never asked Him to be your Savior, I would encourage you to do that today. Don't wait. Come talk to me after the service. 
call me, talk to me here at the church office if you're out there online. I would love to hear about your new life in Jesus Christ and love to encourage you here at our church. So as we think about what happens tomorrow, what are we going to take away? Believers, are you surprised by suffering and trials or are you expecting them? We're never going to ask for them. Peter doesn't say, ask God to give you more trials. But when they come, do you rejoice? Do you see God's hand at work in your life? Do you recognize that, yes, He loves me as a father and He's helping me grow in my faith? As we think about judgment coming to the house of God first, what areas of your life are you obeying and honoring God? And what areas do you need to submit to Him? Submit to His Word and obey Him. There are things that are, you're still hanging on to and, and know that this just doesn't belong in my life. This, these are the impurities that God wants to get rid of. He's brought them to light as I face this trial and I can see that I just really turn to this every time when things get hard. Or I don't go to God first. I complain a lot. I tell everybody on Facebook or social media about the problem first and then I eventually pray. Well, what does God want you to do? He wants you to talk to Him. He's your Abba, your Papa, your loving Father who wants to care for you when you're struggling. Are you really trusting God? Really trusting God? Or are you surprised? Instead, we should rejoice, we should obey, we should bring Him glory and show that we trust Him as our faith grows. Mark's going to come. We're going to close in a final song. I'd invite you to stay for our Sunday school classes. There's something for every age. And hopefully within another month or so, um, we might have coffee here. You're welcome to bring your own, but hopefully we'll be able to take those next steps and be able to share in some more fellowship. But that's not why we're here. We're not here just for the good coffee and the great danishes. We're here because we love each other, because we want to encourage each other. So stay for a class. Stay. Uh, plan to go to a growth group this week. And if you have any questions about our church, intro to FBC is the place to be today. Come to the class and learn about how you can get more plugged in here. I'm going to pray, and then Mark's going to lead us in a song. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that you are with us, that you want to strengthen and build our faith. You want to help us become more like Jesus Christ when we face trials. Help us, Lord, to trust you in all these things, to honor and glorify you and your son, Jesus Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, I pray these things. Amen.